Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Off to eight, and he had it tipped away by Karen. It's a two-on-one shorthand with Nugent Hopkins. Karen, Nugent Hopkins, wait, shoots, well, for the second straight game, Ryan Nugent Hopkins scores shorthanded, but not enough tonight as the Arizona Coyotes leave Rogers' place with a 4-2 victory. And the star of this game turns out to be goaltender Aiden Hill. They actually credited the Oilers with one more shot since the game ended. 39 saves for Aiden Hill. He gets the win in net for the Oilers. Mike Smith started the game finally got in after getting over his illness he made 15 saves on 17 shots through the first two periods miko koskinen played the third he made 13 saves on 15 shots from arizona reed wilkins rob brown live in studio 99 overtime open line presented by heartland ford well we'll start with the big name he was back in action tonight for the oilers captain connor mcdavid his first game since April 6th when he suffered the knee injury. He plays 20 minutes and 38 seconds. He had two shots on goal. A very good face-off night for McDavid. He won 10 out of 13 in the dot to go 77%. Yeah, he looked good. Um, probably a little bit of rust. As we said, you can practice all you want. You can battle. You can have scrimmages. It's not the same as playing in a game when you're playing against competition who's uh, a little more aggressive than your teammates would be. Uh, he looked good. He was flying out there, had some good opportunities. Um, the, the fastest you saw him is, was on a back check against Michael Grabner, who had a breakaway. Any other player in the National Hockey League, he, he, it's a clear-cut breakaway. McDavid catches him and takes away the scoring chance. So uh, Connor looked good. I, I would imagine he'll sit out against Winnipeg and then play in the final game against the Calgary Flames and be ready for the season. I think he played around the ice time that probably they hope he has in the regular season. I mean, before the game, I was talking that he played 22.50 per game last season. That led all forwards in ice time per game. And now we'll see how the Oilers' season goes. If, if they're not a good team again and they're behind a lot, he's going to be playing a lot. And, and you referenced this a few games ago that there were games last season where McDavid was playing four of the final six minutes, five of the final ten. They're down a goal, too. He's out, he's out there over and over again. Now this is a preseason game, so obviously the usage wasn't necessarily going to be the same. But I think probably 20, 21 if you're lucky enough to have the lead in the third, once you get into the regular season, down to 19 or 18, they probably want to keep that number a couple minutes lower than it was last year. Well, and not having a penalty kill will probably cut out a minute and a half to two minutes right there alone. Um, I, I think that the, the penalty killing time that he loses, you may see him take longer shifts on the power play. Uh, we, we've seen he's a freak of nature when it comes to stamina on the ice. It, it doesn't seem to bother him. We've seen him play 25, 26, 27 minutes, then go out and play almost the entire overtime and not look fatigued. So I think all coaches 
to start a season, they have a game plan uh, with every player, and then they have someone like Connor McDavid come along, and they're like, well, here's what we're going to do with them, and then you watch them play, like, well, you know, maybe we can get a couple more shifts out of them. So uh, I don't, I hadn't seen him wear down during the season when he plays a tremendous amount of ice time. I think 21 minutes would be great for him, and there'll be games where you're going to see him up at 25-26, and hopefully there'll be games where the others are comfortable uh, going into a third period, and they can pull back a little bit to give him a little bit of rest that way. All right, Coyotes win at 4-2. Again, McDavid, two shots on goal, 77% in face-offs. Does not get a point tonight. Mobility looked fine. As Rob mentioned, he's still fast, still able mm. to shoot the puck, still able to move around. All that kind of stuff. He did take a high stick from Michael Bunting late in the third. Stayed right on the ice for the power play. So doesn't seem to be any ill effects for that. Oilers penalty kill. That is a storyline. Last se- Well, the last two seasons it was awful. Last season specifically was 30th in a 31-team league. You could point to a few games, several games over the last two years where it was the number one reason the Oilers mm-hmm. lost a game. Not that there weren't other flaws, but you could say, well, yeah, that, that, that one, that one, that one. Uh, in the preseason, it's been pretty good. Nuge scores shorthanded again. Now, tonight was more the lineup that will actually mm-hmm. be deployed in the regular season. But one thing that kept the Oilers in this game, they're down 2-0 in the second period. Darnell Nurse gets four minutes for high sticking. The Oilers do a pretty good job killing it off, and they score shorthanded. And then, quite frankly, dominated the rest of the second period after that. So they got momentum out of it, and I think the PK has been a plus so far. Well, that's something that we didn't see at all over the last couple of years where they gained momentum off a big kill because anytime there was an important kill to be had, it wasn't. They, they gave up goals at inopportune times when they were penalty killing last year. Now, you take it with a grain of salt, the penalty killing in the preseason, because nobody has their power play going at, at full tilt. Most games, they don't have their full power play unit in it. And if they do, teams aren't practicing their power plays yet. They're not doing you know extensive work because there's so many other things that they have to put into their game. Having said that, it's still a positive. When, when you have good penalty-killing nights, you feel confident about yourself, so you feel confident going forward. There's a number of different players that will be playing on the penalty kill this year because they're not using Connor and, and Leon as much, and they've more or less reshaped their bottom six. So a lot of those guys are, were brought in simply because they needed to have better penalty killers. The one constant that I think you'll see, though, is Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the penalty kill. We've seen him be used... Every game he's played, he's been out on the penalty kill, and this is the second time he scored a shorthanded goal. Uh, he's too good a penalty killer not to use him. But, yeah, there were positives out there. And, again, the penalty killing, uh, you know, a lot of it was on the players that were in front of the net. But over the last couple of years, goaltending has been a, uh, a very big sore spot when it came to penalty killing. Not only we saw that earlier in, in the preseason, that one penalty but the power play goal they gave up against uh, Koskinen, it wasn't a good goal on Koskinen. So the Oilers need better goaltending on their penalty killing, but so far what we've seen out of the forwards has been positive. Ken Holland said a couple of weeks ago that he would prefer that the best offensive players don't kill penalties, but, I mean, he also said it's, it's situational, right? So, I, again, with still two games left in the preseason, it appears Nuge will be part of the rotation, maybe not the first guy out 
We saw Patrick Russell out there. We saw Cave out there. We saw Kara out there. Some of the players, uh, Shane out there. Some of the players you would expect who, in some cases, you know, Granlin didn't play tonight, but players who were specifically signed because they were told that's going to be part of your role. You've done it before. We want you to do it, do it again here. Um, I'm sure Nugent Hopkins and, or uh, pardon me, McDavid and Drysdale will kill penalties. Mm -hmm in the regular season, maybe going to be score dependent, maybe going to depend who's in the box if Nuge takes a, a penalty, or you try to throw them out you know, late in a penalty kill and then continue attacking five on five. I think they will get out there a bit, but it, maybe they're not going to be as much part of the rotation. It, it'll all be score dependent. It, 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 when the Oilers need a goal, if they're losing a game, that's when you'll see them going out there penalty killing. The, the one thing that you see when you have third and fourth line guys penalty killing their job is on the line every time they go out to kill. Like, seriously, if you're a third or fourth line guy and you're one of the penalty-killing guys and you're not doing a good job at that, well, guess what? You're in the press box, and the next place from the press box is into the minors. So there's extra incentive for certain plays. Players like a Cave, uh, like a Russell, like a Granlin, their ice time is based upon their penalty-killing abilities. Whereas a, a skilled player, you don't kill the penalty, you're still going to be out there on the power play. You're still going to get your minutes. So I, I played with a number of players over my career who have been who have forged careers simply because they were good penalty killers and that's what Ken Holland's trying to do here with their third and fourth line guys. Say, alright you want to be in the lineup here? You want to play on this team? We need you guys to be 87% type penalty killing units and then you'll continue to get ice time 5 on 5. Coyotes win it 4-2 over the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Joel Pearson didn't play the last two periods of this game. Defenseman who's been up there with Oscar Clefbaum will get you the full Dave Tippett post-game media conference in a couple of minutes, but he did say that Pearson has an upper body injury and simply that he'll be evaluated in the morning. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I, I, I never saw a replay. That, that's too bad if it's anything significant because this kid was going to make the team and he was going to be in the opening day roster playing with Oscar Clefbaum. Um, he, he looked comfortable, he looked calm when he was on the ice and uh, again you just don't, you never want to see any injuries but when here's a guy that's going to get a chance to play in the National Hockey League, a legitimate shot and that if it goes awry or if it doesn't come to fruition because of an injury you just feel for the, for the guy for he finally gets his opportunity and then dumb luck might steal it from him. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Every coach kind of handles injuries a little differently, so I guess we'll learn how Dave Tippett is is going to talk about it this year. A lot of times, if a if a player is okay or appears to be okay, the coach will come out and say that. Yeah. If he's not sure or if it's bad, they usually say we maybe wait till tomorrow or the next day. We'll also know how he handles injuries when he calls an upper body injury and he comes out on crutches. So then right. we'll know right then right. too. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Pearson didn't finish the game. We'll get more on him tomorrow. What, I mean, one of the, the best players in this game tonight turned out to be Aiden Hill for the Arizona Coyotes, which I, I, I wouldn't have picked before the game. He winds up making 39 stops, some, some very good saves. The Oilers did have some goal mouth scrambles. I think maybe some of the opportunities were players that aren't necessarily expected to finish. I mean, Cave was around the net. Uh, the third and fourth lines actually had some, some pretty mm -hmm. good chances. You maybe would have hoped there was a little more from, from the Oilers' top-end guys today, but none, nonetheless, full credit to Hill. Pretty solid game. Yeah, it was, and he's, he's their third stringer, is he not? Yeah, so he, he comes in and, and has a big effort uh, uh, in a game where he's facing a National Hockey League lineup. He didn't get, uh, 
a bunch of AHL players out there. This was the Oilers. If it's not their opening day roster, it's within one or two players. So he came in, was excellent, gave them the big saves when they needed it, and tonight may have stole two points for, well, if this was a regular right. season game. But he, he may have stole the game because it, there were long stretches in this hockey game where the Edmonton Oilers were the better team. Well, the, I mean, the Oilers... They could have been tied or ahead going to the third. I mm-hmm. thought this when he it was really important. Edmonton got the shorthanded goal. They got momentum. They kept pushing, and and Hill held his ground. I mean, Cave had that that scramble late in the second period where I mean he had a couple whacks to put it in and and couldn't quite connect. So that's that's when he really did his best work. I thought if from an Oilers perspective in net, we finally got to see Mike Smith 15 saves on 17 shots. Um, you know, Koskinen, Koskinen really busy, by the way, early yes. in the third. That's when Arizona, you know, could have could have really extended and, and taken the life out of it for sure. Um, I mean, I didn't see a bad goal let in by the by the Oilers goaltender tonight. I thought they made made some good saves. Uh, Arizona maybe with the better finish and maybe better open opportunities. Yes. I mean, they, they had a couple almost open nets to shoot at. Well, this, this has been a problem for the Oilers the last couple of years where their goaltender would come out and you would say, you know, he didn't, he didn't play bad. He didn't give up a bad goal, and it'd be a four or five goal against Knight. And it was because the Oilers gave up huge mistakes tonight. The Larson goal throws it between his legs in front of his own net. I mean, you just can't do that. Nurse pinching on a 50-50 puck, doesn't get puck, doesn't get man. Now it's a two-on-one. Uh, back door, I, I don't know what, what mistake was made. But there was a backdoor goal. That was the last goal by Steppen. Well, it also deflected, deflected right but, over to him. But there was nobody there, wide open net. And then the, the, the other one was a two-on-one also goal where, uh, was it Kraus came in and... Uh, I mean, and that's where the Oilers had three guys who could have got the puck out and, and they did. turned it over at their own. So again, yeah. huge mistakes. So three, three of the four goals were huge mistakes by the Edmonton Oilers. And then that's not to... There was a couple breakaways on Koskinen where they gave up chances on, on uh, coming from the far end, making bad plays at the blue line. So the Arizona Coyotes, the majority of their great scoring chances they had tonight were Oilers guilty of making big mistakes. The, the Arizona didn't earn a lot of their chances. They were just mistakes made by the Oilers, and that's something the Oilers have to cut out before the regular season starts. Let me ask you this. In terms of tonight's game, and again, mm-hmm. preseason, would you say the Oilers' depth players maybe played a more detailed game than some of the Oilers' top-end guys? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And the thing is, they have to. Because if a top-six player makes a mistake, his leash is longer. The bottom six guys right now are still battling for spots. Uh, there's two or three guys that are out of the lineup tonight. Uh, a Granlin is going to be yeah, here. Yeah, maybe a couple guys weren't playing tonight. Nygaard, yeah, Nygaard is, I believe, is going to be here. He's got speed, so he's he's another guy that's going to be in the lineup. And Yurko, the, we really liked what he showed. So the guys that are in the bottom six, when you're a bottom six player, you can't make a big mistake. You've got to be very detailed because you can't cover up your mistake by having a two-goal night because those guys just don't have it. So, yeah, I believe you that that's completely correct. That the bottom six were much more detail-oriented. Oilers' preseason record is 2-3. and three. They lose 4-2 tonight to the Arizona Coyotes. Let's go down to the Hall of Fame room for GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Uh, Dave, just uh, a thought on, on Connor's uh, first game back. Obviously, it's nice to see him back there. What you, what you think of him tonight? Gets up and going. You know, he needed to get in a game just to get his mind right. So, you know, he worked hard. 
not much happening. Are you uh, looking at maybe getting him in one more? We'll, we'll revisit that tomorrow. I, the plan was to get him in today's game, and then we'll just see where things are tomorrow. You had a, a chance to see a, a lineup that you know with a lot of veteran players in it. Just just your thoughts on the way the lineup seemed. Our top six, our, our bottom six worked hard. We're good. Our penalty killing was really good. Our top six wasn't so good. <laughs> Dave, do you have an update on Joel Pearson? Uh, upper body is going to get tested in the morning, but uh, I haven't seen the trainers yet. So he's uh, uh, he was sore coming out of the game. We took to just leave him out of the game, so hopefully he's a little better in the morning, but I don't have an update right now. Early on, when you look at their goals, and you talk about this, that you want the D guys to move it up the middle, and sometimes there's going to be learning, there's going to be a mistake, wrong reads. When you look at those, was it being too fancy, or was the read there and just not the right pass? Poor reads. Poor reads, and it's uh, we've talked about it for since the start of training camp, the risk-reward factor, and there's a time and a place where you have to simplify, and there's a time where a, a simple play to the middle is actually the, the best play. Uh, we talked about couple of those things this morning in, in our meeting and uh, we made some critical mistakes today. I mean there's really three of the goals are critical mistakes by our D. Two of them are puck plays. One is uh, Nurse jumping in on that one chasing the game. But uh, those are areas that we have to clean up. If I'd rather have them now than two weeks from now. And But they're areas that we have to, if we're going to play uh, an efficient game that has to be part of our game but there's a risk-reward factor that you have to calculate and plays have to get made if you're going to make them. Uh, Dave, uh, we mentioned uh, McDavid, but Russell and um, and Smith got their first performances tonight in the preseason. What did you think of those two players? Uh, I thought Smith was really solid, really solid. Um, good start for him, good start to get him up and going. Russell, we were down to 5D most of the game, so we played, uh, played some good minutes. I thought he was solid also. Just back to your comment on your top six. Was there a common theme in what wasn't there tonight that you'd want to make sure is moving forward? Didn't make enough plays. We, I mean, if you're, if you're going to make plays, make plays. We had far too many turnovers in both groups, right? So it, it allowed you saw the bottom six. They, they trapped Arizona in their zone a number of times just through work. And the top six were having a hard time because we were turning over the puck all the time. All right, that's head coach Dave Tippett as the Oilers lose 4-2 to Arizona. So interesting comments there. He said the bottom six worked really hard. Top six said well, it wasn't so good, and then he elaborated there. Just uh, didn't make enough plays. Well, those are the things that you and I were just talking about beforehand. The, the bottom six was was good. The, I, I thought the cave line, uh, I, they didn't get as much ice time, but I thought when they were out there, they were effective. They played 11 minutes tonight. They kept things going forward. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I didn't know what Chason would be like playing in a fourth-line type of role after what we saw what he did last year, but he's, he's been very good with Cave and Russell, keeping pucks alive down low, driving to the net, um, forechecking well. And this was, the, the, I think, the third time we've seen the, the Sheehan line, and this was by far their best. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the first, like care of the first couple games. He was, he was quiet. He was much better tonight. Archibald, I think he's been the most consistent on that line. But they created things going forward, too. Now, uh, a skilled line in preseason, sometimes it's, it's a struggle because it's easier to work hard than it is to make plays. 
and the third and fourth lines, they don't make a lot of plays. They just work hard and hem guys in. Sometimes your timing's off a little bit, and you got Connor coming back his first time since April that he's played in the game and playing with Leon and, and Cassian for the first game. And then the, the other line, Neil, Nugent, Hopkins, and Gandhi are going to have to try and find themselves. Uh, I, they're looking for chemistry out of, the guys, out of those guys, and they want it to work. But it just can't just say, okay, this guy's a shooter, this guy's a passer. They're going to work well together. They're still trying to learn where each other's going to be on the ice. Having said that, Nugent Hopkins, I thought, was strong tonight. I thought he had another good game, and hopefully they'll, they'll get another opportunity probably to play together on Saturday. Now, it'll be interesting to see on that line, the Nugent Hopkins line, going forward, if it's still going to be Gagne next game, or if they're going to give my, my guess is you're going to see Nygaard with Nugent Hopkins and Neal in the next time those guys play for an opportunity for someone else to show they're capable of playing there. Yeah, see how the speed works in, yeah. that, in that situation. I mean, Gagne, even tonight, and I mean, wasn't, wasn't a great game, but he has the smarts. He sees the Oh, very lights. smart hockey player. But Nygaard, with his speed, that could add a different dimension to that line. Well, it, I mean, because Neal's not a burner by any means. No, but what speed does is it creates things. Because when he's flying, that moves the defenseman back. They have to back up. That gives the, the centerman, Nugent Hopkins, more room in the neutral zone to make plays because you've got to respect the speed on the outside. Uh, I just think that... Uh, they, 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 Gagne was very good in his first two exhibition games, and Dave Tippett talked about the fact he, he deserved that another opportunity. But what you heard from Dave Tippett after the game, uh, they weren't good enough, either of the top two lines, so you wonder if there's going to be a change made. Coyotes win it 4-2. Uh, good night for the Oilers in the faceoff circle, 71%. I mentioned McDavid, 77%. Leading the way, Riley Shane. Won 10 out of 12 for 83%. Well, that is one of the reasons he was signed. We'll see if he can keep going with it. But he knows that he will be starting a lot of shifts in his own end. He will probably be the first guy out on the penalty kill to take the face off in his own end. So that is going to be one of his jobs. And maybe he'll get the occasional goal off his face as well. <laughs> yeah, those are... Those are uh positive. He was driving the net, which you like to see. We didn't see near enough of that last year. Uh, there's always that bit of fear when the, first, when the puck hits you. You're like, okay, am I still all in, in one piece? And then there's a smile after when you realize the puck was in off your face. Uh, he, his line was good tonight, but this is a, at least the second or third time that we've talked after a game and how good the Oilers were in the face-off dot. They've had a couple, like, extremely good, like 70-plus percent, which is uh, amazing for a team that has been near the bottom in the National Hockey League for the last number of years in the face-offs. That's a good thing. So another positive that you can pull out of this game is the centermen are winning draws. They just just have to clean up some things, and Dave Tippett talked about the things that need to be cleaned up. Connor McDavid back in action. Let's hear from him, courtesy GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Just a big picture thought on You guys had you know, a pretty veteran lineup in there, just what you saw and how you think, think it went. We had a veteran lineup. They had a veteran lineup as well. So um, it was a pretty close to an NHL game as, as you're going to get. So um, you know, we did some good stuff. We did some. We had some stuff that we need to work on. Um, you know, credit to them. Uh, they've always been a solid de- defensive team, and, and uh, they found a way to to kind of clog it up. You haven't played a hockey game since April 6th. Did you feel at times even behind it all? How did you feel? Uh, just a little bit rusty, but uh, you know, it's to be expected in the first preseason game. Nice to get back out there, though, and play the game and get out there and not worry about the rehab and the knee and all the stuff. Yeah, it was nice to be out there, for sure. Do you do you feel like 
after having that performance, how you judge it and stuff? Does it make you think you want to play another game? Do you need another game? Do you not need another game? What are you thinking? Well, at that point, it's up, it's up to the coach. It's, it's who he wants to see. Um, you know, obviously, I'd like to keep playing, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately up to him and, and the lineup he wants to see. How different is it actually getting into a game like this versus what you try and simulate in practice? And were you happy with the way you were able to push yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was able to push myself as you know, like nothing happened. So um, I was happy about that. Um, obviously, the game is, is a lot different than a, than a, than a practice. So um, it was good to get into one. Thank you. All right, there's Connor McDavid. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Coyotes. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, live in Studio 99. Overtime open line presented by Heartland Ford. You can give us a call at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Jeremy from Glendon, one of our regulars, Rob, texting in tonight. He says, after Ty Ratty scored 11 points in four games last preseason, I've learned not to put any stock into the preseason at all. The Oilers were buzzing almost all game, though, tonight, and they couldn't finish. Well, the Ty Ratty preseason is, I'm sure, going to be referenced a lot in years to come. Well, Ty Ratty, uh, Yamamoto, and Pugliarvi yeah, all Yeah, you had. thought one of those three was going to have... And none of those like, three is going to start the season here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, I, and I, I reiterate, reiterate, if a preseason game was that important, the others would, or all NHL teams would dress their number one lineup every night. They don't. So the preseason is more important for certain players than it is for others. Uh, you want to win. You'd love to have success. But it, what happens in the preseason does not translate into the regular season. You just have to look at the preseason standings and, and what the Oilers did last year, how good they were in the preseason, yeah. and where they finished at the end of the regular season. So to me, if I'm just looking at this team right now, I want, I don't, wins or losses don't mean nothing. Get into the regular season healthy is the most important thing for the Edmonton yeah, Oilers it, right it, now. It's a team game, but I find myself watching more individual stories yep. during the preseason. Because like you said, there are players who, being here at the start of the regular season, might hinge on some preseason games. Absolutely. Well, other, yep. other players might not. And looking at the Coyotes tonight, I think, you know, Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, OEL, how they play. They, they, want, they want to play well, obviously, but, but they're going to be there. Well, and the, the but, kid, but, you know, Aiden Hill, he probably... Yeah, so that's, big, that's a good game for him. Yeah, it has a great game, but it's, he's not going to be in the National Hockey League to start the season as, as well as he played tonight. But what it, what it did for him is now all of a sudden he's on their radar saying, okay, you know what, we feel comfortable at any time if we need to bring him up that we can play him because we saw what he's capable of doing. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tony hanging on the line. Tony, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. You guys, can you guys hear me? Yes. Um, great game. Awesome to see that uh, so they're back in action. It's been a long summer. Um, I have a few questions. Well, first of all, Juju uh, Arcaro, the way he played, was fantastic. I thought he really got up into the zone and, you know, really kept the team, you know, really in the offensive zone inside of the off defensive zone. My question for you guys is, um, yeah, we got rid of we got rid of Lucic, thank God. Um, for Neil, would you put him with McDavid just to get his um, his confidence back after last season? Because when I first looked at when I first heard that James Neal got traded, I thought it could be a McDavid, Neil, and Cassian, and then maybe let for the first time in a long time let Drysaddle have his own line with But why why would you take Leon Drysaddle away from Connor McDavid after he scored 50 goals? 
But, you know, that's a good point, but it's the fact that I want people to, like, I, I've been hearing a lot about, oh, you know, Drysdale's only good with McDavid. Well, it doesn't, well, well I, he's very good with McDavid. He scored 50 goals, so why would you take a 50-goal score away from Connor McDavid and give him a guy that had four goals instead? Uh, I just, I just want to know if Neil's going to be the player that we want him to be or if he's going to be the player that was in Calgary. Well, we're going to find out. He's going to play with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and you're going to find out. The Oilers need a second line. Ryan Nugent Hopkins needs a winger. They went out and got Neil, and they believe that he can be the player that he was before Calgary, and that's what they're hoping for. But uh, I I don't put him with Connor McDavid. Uh, Connor McDavid's got Leon Dreisaitl, and right now, Cassian. And Cassian has fit in well there. And you don't break that. They were were second and fourth in the National Hockey League in scoring last year. That was McDavid's best year, and Dreisaitl scores 50 goals. You do not go anywhere near touching that line. And you just hope that Neil and, and Nugent Hopkins can find some sort of chemistry and you find somebody that can play with them. Gagne's had the opportunity. It might be Nygaard next game that gets that opportunity to try and spark that line. The Oilers have assigned Evan Bouchard and Shane Sterrett to the Bakersfield Condors. So those are the latest roster moves. They, they just tweeted that out. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I, I understand that question about Neil. And as we know with lines, they do not stay the same. Depending on the coach, sometimes they don't even stay the same for a couple of rotations in a row. I, I'm sure at some point Neil will play on a line with, with Connor McDavid. I mean, we'll see how Tippett handles line juggling and how, how quick he is to pull the trigger on some changes. But, yeah, I mean, one of the weaknesses on the Oilers last year was that Ryan Nugent Hopkins was playing with players who didn't have his offensive instinct mm-hmm. and weren't finishers. Yep. I mean, he had games late in the season where his two line mates combined had single-digit goals. Like, not where one guy had eight and one guy had seven. Like, where they combined had eight or seven. So, I think that's the priority is to get Neil playing there, mm-hmm. and then and then we'll see how the, 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 the season goes along. He brought up Jujar Kerr as well, and, and he's an interesting player to me, and I, and I still sometimes watching Jujar think to myself, does he know who he is as a hockey player? Does he, does he know what his role is? And, and maybe with a couple coaches last year and now a new one, you know, who knows? Maybe he's been told different things, so I'll, I'll say that. But I still look at him and sometimes think, does he really understand what he needs to go out there and do that night after night? Because to me, it's still a little too spotty in terms of when he contributes. I agree. I, I think he's been quiet in the preseason. I thought tonight was his best game by far. Uh, I don't know if there would be any coach out there that would give him the wrong impression of what kind of player he needs to be. Uh, he's a third or fourth line guy. He's big. He can be physical. He's got good skates. His hands aren't bad. He can, it can be a very good contributor to, to just about any team in the National Hockey League, but he has to play within himself. He's got to play his role. Tonight, he seemed to take that role on a little bit more by finishing his checks, getting the puck in on the, on the, the forecheck. When you see Jujar find himself getting outside of himself is where he's trying to beat guys in the neutral zone one-on-one with a move where a player with his speed and his size should be just dumping pucks into corners and letting his speed get in on the forecheck and be physical that's when he's effective because when he's in on the forecheck pressuring with uh, with body contact he creates things down low. And then when he gets the puck turned over down low, now he's able to create things offensively because he does see the game pretty well uh, for a third, fourth line guy. So 
I, I think that Dave Tippett will spell it out very, very clearly for Jujar Kerr and say, this is exactly what we need from you. And he's playing right now, Sheehan and, and, and Archibald. Archibald's got speed, so you want that puck in offensively. You don't want to try to beat guys in the neutral zone. You want the puck in deep and allow Archibald to get in there as well to create some havoc on the forecheck. I just hope Kara doesn't go through what he did the last, both of the last two seasons. He didn't start well, mm -hmm. got scratched, and then kind of had to get back into you know, the rhythm of doing what he's supposed to do. Well, and that's the message that coaches send. And he, he got the message those years and came back and was better after he came out of the press box. But you would hope that your third time through, you don't need that kind right. of wake-up call. And uh, Dave Tippett, what we've heard from him, he's been very brutally honest after every game on everybody. He'll tell you what he felt about a guy's game, so I'm pretty sure he's even more honest when he talks to players one-on-one. All right, 780-496-0063. Coyotes beat the Oilers 4-2. We will welcome K-Jam to the show. Hey, K-Jam. Hey, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Um, I've been listening to you guys on post-game here, and uh, I, I was curious, you know, and, and Dave Tippett, too, he was mentioning that he uh, he liked the bottom six and totally agree there tonight, uh, but uh, he wasn't as impressed with the top six. Now, I, can, I think that we all see exactly what he's talking about with the first line there. They didn't really... <clears throat> I don't want to say they didn't show up tonight, but they just didn't show up with their A game. But that second line there, you know, I, I, I liked a lot of things that went on with that second line. If you were to, to criticize something about that, that second line and say, you know, to, to lump them in with that top six and say they, they weren't doing well, is it, is it they didn't have possession in the zone? Is it they, they didn't generate enough chances? Because I, I kind of thought they had a lot of zone time, and I, and I kind of thought they were moving the puck okay in there too. I, I think... They, as the game went on, you, you started seeing less and less zone time with that line. I think that's they, they were turning the puck over through the neutral zone, um, not getting the pucks in deep. When they're successful, like Neil is a, a sneaky type of player. He's a guy that kind of is in the weeds in the offensive zone, and then he'll steal a puck from someone and, and not afraid to shoot from anywhere. And you didn't see that as the game went on. I, I thought the, the last two games, Neil and Nugent Hopkins were better than they were tonight. And part of it was the competition they played, and sometimes your game's just not as good. So I don't believe they were as good as they have been in the, the other exhibition games, and I think that's what Dave Tippett was talking about. All right. All right. Oh, sorry, K. Jim. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just uh, just wanted to find out what uh, what Robin, you know, kind of kind of thought about uh, that second line. I thought they were okay. I, I don't mind seeing Gagne in that position again. I understand, you know, taking a look at some other looks and wanting to make sure that uh, you have as productive a top six as, as possible. But uh, you know, overall, I, I didn't really, I didn't, well, I wouldn't say I disliked that uh, that line tonight. Thanks, KGM. Good to hear from yep. you. Coyotes beat the Oilers four-two. Nugent Hopkins and Riley Shane scoring. For the Edmonton Oilers, here's Shan. Yeah, it was a, a lucky bounce. I mean, I was just kind of trying to get to the net and see if there's anything uh, laying around. And it hit me pretty hard. It, thank God it didn't get my face at all. It hit me right in a good spot. So a lucky bounce and uh, happy it went in. Yeah, they say good things happen when you go to the net, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was, I think we were, our line did a good job around there for the most part tonight. So uh, it was good to get rolled with one. All right, that's Riley. Shane gets a bit of an odd goal. Rebound goes in off his face. Oilers lose 4-2. We're going to take a quick timeout for the news. More time for your phone calls. We will also have more post-game reaction. Our number is 780-496-0063. We are live in Studio 99, Overtime Open Line, presented by Heartland Ford. 
This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Final score, Rogers place. Arizona Coyotes 4, Edmonton Oilers 2. The Oilers have made a couple of roster moves. This happened about 10 minutes ago. Evan Bouchard, defenseman, goaltender Shane Sterrett being assigned to the Bakersfield Condors. So two more players out of camp. So we'll see who gets in the lineup Thursday against the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, that game on 6.30, Chad, 4.30 for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 6 o'clock. NHL preseason action tonight. Late in the third period, Anaheim up 4-1 on San Jose. The Rangers beat the Islanders 3-1. Florida rolls over Tampa Bay 6-3. The Stars win 2-1 against the Blues. And it's the Flames shutting out the Winnipeg Jets. 2-0, Monaghan and Bennett getting the goals there. That Dallas-St. Louis score obviously reminds me of their playoff series. It goes seven games, and it's it's such a fine line. Mm -hmm. And you got to make the big play at the big time. And I mean... Colton Pareko came in and did Inside Sports with me this summer, and he talked about that Jamie Benn wraparound in overtime. Colton's telling me, he goes, I'm on the ice. I'm caught up. I can't chase him around the net. And it, it's like I'm watching it in slow motion that he's going to score. And he's, Bennington goes across, and he, 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 Colton's describing it, that he thought Bennington's pad was a little too deep into the net, like he wasn't totally flush along the goal line. And the puck hits the part of Bennington's pad on the wraparound that was still above the goal line. And the puck spins out. And then later on, Patrick Maroon scores. And St. Louis goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Not that it was easy after that by any no, means. But they could have been out in the second round and well, Dallas could have gone on. Well, and it also shows you the importance of just getting to the dance. Just yeah. get to the, to the playoffs. Because the teams are close. The parity in the National Hockey League is, is as good as it ever has been. So if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And uh, the St. Louis Blues also shows you anything can happen if you believe in yourselves, too. The St. Louis Blues were dead last in the National Hockey League halfway through the season. They put it together. They, they come on strong, and now they're, not, they're National Hockey League champions. So the Oilers have somehow got to find a way to get back to the dance, and it starts you know, next week, next Wednesday. And for me, the, the biggest question mark and the biggest way for them to get back into the playoffs is for consistent, good goaltending. And hopefully, whether it's Smith, Koskinen, or a combination of both, they find that this year because you do not make the playoffs in the National Hockey League with, with average goaltending. Coyotes win it 4-2 tonight, and they get good goaltending. 39 saves from this man, Aiden Hill. So, what, 38 saves? That was a pretty good night for you. Uh, yeah, no, it was a fun game. Our team, uh, we came out, put a good effort forth, and uh, leaving with the win. You get McDavid coming in on you. What are you thinking right off the bat there? Like? Uh, I mean, he beat me on one last year, so, uh, I mean, you can't think. As soon as you think, you're beat. So uh, just kind of try and stay patient and react. You had a pass option there, too. So, yeah, made a nice shot. How are things going for you? Uh, good. I feel good. Uh, I feel like I've had a good camp, and yeah, I feel good on the ice. So you bring depth. There's some good competition at the position, so you must feel pretty good about going into the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whether it's in Arizona or in Tucson, I feel good about my game and uh, just every day working on uh, the little things I need to that I'll implement into the games and uh, keep making my game stronger. Is it mental, physical? What, what do you have to work on? Uh, the biggest thing I've been working on lately is just narrowing my stance a little. I feel like I'm more reactive and quicker out of that, so just focusing on that every shot and practice, and uh, it'll translate to the games. It goes without saying, but getting off to a good start with this team, I'm sure will be really important. Yeah, yeah, it'd be huge. So, uh, yeah, guys played great tonight. Uh, 
hopefully we can keep it going into Vancouver. And off the blocker into the face. I mean, <laughs> what, what can you say? I don't know. That's just uh, that's hockey. Fluke yeah. bounce there. So uh, yeah, stuff happens. So you, you were reading things, uh, tr- tracking the puck well. Yeah, I know. I felt really good on uh, the first goal. I'd like to have it back. I had a little mistake that I knew I made there, but uh, it's all good. We won the game and uh, move on. Perfect. Thanks for this. Thanks, yeah. Thank you. Reed. Scott Johnson. One-on-one with goaltender Aiden Hill tonight. Excellent game for the Arizona Coyotes who win at 4-2. You can text us at 6.30, This texter says, why is Brandon Manning still here? Well, here's, here's the situation now. So they've sent Bouchard down, who Ken Holland said all along, Bouchard will not be here to be the number seven. And, and I do think he needs to play in the yep. minors. As tantalizing a prospect he is, and as good as he is with the puck, they want him to work on defense, on puck retrieval, quickness, all that kind of stuff. Now Joel Pearson, we don't know, will uh, upper body injury, if you missed it earlier, didn't basically play the final two periods. We'll probably get more of an update tomorrow. So Bear and Lagason are still around. They probably both play. Yeah, they will both. Yeah, absolutely. So now, now it may, depending on how bad Pearson is, it may not be, well, the Oilers are selecting who their number seven is going to be. They may need a six and a seven. I don't think Brandon Manning is one of the Oilers' top six defensemen, but he may be up to be a seven and go in if needed if everybody else isn't healthy. Well, and we talked about this, I don't know if it was the last game or the game before, and I'm not saying that this will happen, but I have seen it before where you carry a number seven and say it's, it's Manning. That doesn't mean he's going to play. If there's an injury and you've got time, you call someone up from the minors and the young kid plays and he stays as your number seven. And you, you, your young players have to play. They, they can't sit up in the press box. It's, it's an absolute waste to them. It's a waste to the team. It doesn't help them get better. Manning is who he is. They know exactly what they're going to get out of him, whether it's enough for this team or not. We'll find out here in a little while. But they don't, he doesn't need to go down to the minors to continue to improve his game, such as a Jones or a Bear or a Lagasin or a Bouchard. So there is a possibility that Manning makes it as your number seven D-man, that on the day of a game, if someone gets sick or gets hurt in pregame skate, he jumps in. But if there's any other time that you have an injury and you've got a day's advance notice, someone else will come up to the minors and play ahead of him. I've seen it before. It's happened in the National Hockey League last year. There's a kid, I thought it was in Toronto, that sat out 40 or 50 games in a row. It does happen. He's more or less a safe safety valve for day of game type of injuries. To me, that's why, because in the depth chart, I would probably have him 11, 10. Right. Somewhere along that line, because I, I would have Bouchard, Jones, Bear, Lagason, as well as all of the defensemen that played tonight, all would probably be ranked Brandon ahead Manning's of him. Manning's not going to be an Oiler in three or four years, but they're hoping all or most of the other guys will be. So that's why they want them playing as many games as possible in the AHL. 780-496-0063. We will welcome Zach to the show. Hey, Zach, thanks a lot for calling. Hi. Um, there was a question previously about why you would separate Dreisaitl from McDavid. And I, I think um, there's one, there's a couple of reasons why. The first is that last year, Dreisaitl and McDavid played the most minutes together that they've ever played. And although um, Dreisaitl's goal production increased, McDavid's five-on-five production actually decreased significantly. So for individual points per 60 minutes, he decreased from 2.3 
to 2.5. Um, for individual goals, at even McDavid had scored 30 the year before, and, and then last season only 24. And the one that I find pretty shocking is for um, attempted shots plus minus. The previous season, he was up 140 attempted shots, and last season it was even at zero. So in other words... You said that... Um McDavid's goal production went down. He he went to 24 goals last year. Five, five, at on, even, five. Oh, at five, five on five. Oh, five on five, five, on five goals. So what you do is you play them together on the power power play, but you ask them to drive the play individually at even. And the other reason why I really believe that that's the way that the team should go is that um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is um, sort of a weaker second line center, but an extremely strong third line center. When you knock him down in terms of quality of competition, and you ask Leon to fill that role, and you ask the three three centers to each drive their line, and the I think that's that, the best. The, comp- same, the problem with that, the same. This is I'll say the same thing that I've said for the last few years. The Oilers do not have enough wingers that they can have three centermen. They don't. Because all of a sudden, if you take Leon Dreisaitl away from Connor McDavid, he's got nobody up there that is capable of playing at his level. Then you move Leon down to the second line. Now all of a sudden, his line mates are Sam Gagne, who was in the minors most of last year, and James Neal, who's coming off a season where he scored four goals or six goals. Seven. Seven goals. So that's your second line. And now your third line is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's playing with, again, two guys that aren't capable of playing with him. Is this Zach from uh, Copper and Blue? Um, well, I have blogged on that on there before, yeah. Yeah, no, you've but I'm you've not always called on their with, with interesting stats like this. What, what was the what was the individual points per sixty again? Uh, it for McDavid, it decreased from two point three to two point two five. Oh, two point two five. Okay, so not a huge decrease. So, not a huge amount, but I thought the Corsi battle basically at the end of the day, if you're looking at that, it it was flat. You know, you didn't, McDavid didn't tilt the ice. Just looking at that stat, he did not tilt the ice overall at five on five. Now, there's things like score effects that come into that, right? Where the keys on the ice when they're losing all the time and they're just getting pummeled and stuff like that. But, you know, like that comes in. But, you know, so... I, I don't know. I, 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 I hear what, you know, I, I know Rob has the expertise of, of wingers and stuff like that, but sometimes you have to just try to find that guy, and maybe that's your Haas or your Nygaard or your Patrick Russell or I don't know, whatever, who's going to just have a surprise year and and ask them, ask McDavid and, and Dreisaitl to make those players just that much better. Zach, I appreciate your call. I those are really interesting stats for sure. I, I will I will say this. There's another reason you play those guys together. They want to play together. They're each other's first choice. They complete each other. <laughs> Just imagine the Tom Cruise scene. They're, the Oilers do not have depth to have three centers. They don't. They, zero. It's been a problem for them for a number well, of that years. Is the, that, that is the thing. I mean, he, I, I understood what he was saying about Nuge if you put him on a third line and change the quality of his competition, but then he's with wingers like he was with last last year. He had the, the wingers he had last year. He still had career year. He's, he's a good second-line center in the National Hockey League. Uh, so, no, so all of a sudden, no, you do, not, you do not put them three centers down the middle. 
You just don't. Yeah. They, I mean, who knows? I mean, again, with line combinations, some someday they might. You never know. Well, when they make a trade and get five better wingers that can score goals, yes. But no, they... But I, but I really think... What the, team in the, the National Oilers Hockey plan, League has three centermen? Like, the, the, they would have down one, two, three. I, I really think the Oilers' plan, at least for now... Ken Holland, I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot of money to go out and get a four, five, six million dollar winger, whatever, but I really think the plan is he's tried to in, in improve the bottom six. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they do once it gets into real games. He's tried to improve the penalty killing. We'll see how that does once it gets into real games. He's hoping Mike Smith has one more good year in him and Koskin will be better if he doesn't have to play as much. That's what Ken Holland is hoping. And I think he's hoping all that adds up to that for the 40 minutes a game when McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't on the ice, the game is even. Oh, yeah. And then when he, he's, he's hoping that the game is decided in the 20 minutes McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the ice together. That's a lot of hope. And no, but, but uh, that's... Yeah. that's, that's, I but mean, that's last what, year, the Oilers... But every team in the National Hockey League is hoping for that. Every team's in the National Hockey League is hoping... Right, no, but he's thinking that their top line most nights is going to outdo the other team's top line. And most nights Mm. last year, it still did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, the Oilers had two of the top four scorers in the NHL. Mm -hmm. They had the second leading goal scorer. And they, they, you know, the last two or three weeks were garbage time. And they were playing catch-up the 15 weeks before that. right, yes. So that's, that's what I'm saying, is that... If those guys are that productive again, or near that productive, and the rest of the team can at least be even and not give games away on the penalty kill and give games away with the goaltending, that he's going to say, "Okay, 40 minutes of the of the grinders is a stalemate. Now we're going to throw two of the top four scorers in the league I, at you." Yeah, I, but in I the think, other 20 minutes, I agree. But I think you're asking for too much out of the in those other 40 minutes. Well, sure, but that's yes. the gamble. Yes, that's of the course, gamble. Of course, that's the gamble. Yeah. That's the that's the fear for the team. Well, right? that, that's I'm not sure it was a gamble. I don't. It was he had no choice. It wasn't like he could build uh, any better than he did because he had no money to do it. So I don't know if it was a. This was a necessity, and now there's a hope that the, it can be. Well, that it's better than it was, and it has to be because if it's not, there's no well, zero got chance. The same team as last year. Yeah. So there's a hope, um, but again, yeah, this team is not. This is not a finished product. This this Edmonton other team. It's not a finished product yet to be a championship team oh, where no, they want to get not. to. Of course not. All right. Uh, let's go back down to the Oilers dressing room. They lose 4-2 to the Coyotes. Another shorthanded goal for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Full or 60 minutes uh, at times, especially the last half of that second period. I thought we we played exactly how we want to play. We uh, got pucks in. Uh, we worked for it. And then uh, we had tons of offensive chances from there. So um, we got to take that out of this game. Um, we, we know that these guys are hard to play against. I mean, it's uh, they clog up the middle. Um, they don't give you much coming through the neutral zone. And um, at times... We we might have fell into that a little bit too much, but we got to be prepared to play uh, play that style of hockey, um, especially once the regular season starts. So, some good things, some bad things. Uh, obviously, didn't get the uh, the win. So, I mean, we got to uh, learn from this and uh, uh, have a good uh, two remaining uh, exhibition games. Just having Connor back in skating and watch him play. What does that mean? Just to the team. Yeah, it's uh, obviously nice when you uh, uh, get your leader, your captain. Uh, back in the lineup um he's the one pushing uh, the pace for us and uh creating a lot out there so good to have him back um 
think he felt uh, pretty good out there. So obviously that's uh, that's what we were hoping for. And it's, uh, I mean, I'll let him speak for himself, but uh, hopefully all good. Is there always, like, when he goes you know, 100 miles an hour towards the net or rushing, is there, because of the injury, is there a bit of a twinge, I guess? Um, there is for him, I don't think there isn't because that's, uh, he, that's what he does for, uh, I mean, yeah. for us on the bench. You can... Uh, you know he's under control. Um, you know how uh, fast and uh, how strong on his feet he is. But obviously, um, I hold my breath once in a while when he when he has that much speed going down there. Um, obviously, it's uh, you don't want to see anybody go into the boards into the net um, at any speed. But I mean, with his speed, it's uh, it's another level. But I mean, no, we we know that he's under control. He's been doing it his whole life. He's not going to slow down now. All right, that's the Nuge. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Coyotes. We're live in Studio 99, Overtime Open Line, presented by Heartland Ford. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Oilers fall short tonight, losing 4-2 to the Arizona Coyotes, who are coached by Rick Tockett. It was a pretty full Oiler lineup you played against, so how did you rate? Well, you know, it's preseason, so, you know, for our team, we're just looking for concepts, and, you know, we're trying to get chemistry, you know, just like I'm sure they are. So, it's, uh, you know, every, it's like all teams are, they're just trying to see uh, chemistry-wise concepts and stuff like that. That's how we judge things. And the game picked up as it went along, so you must have liked that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they they made a big push in the second. You know, um, you know. Obviously, anytime you have McDavid on the ice, he's dangerous. You know, he was uh, flying out there in the second. So yeah, it was good. We had some good young guys in there. We wanted to see how they reacted to the to the those kind of players, and we did a good job. Last year, the power play was uh, back of the pack. Uh, tough. Night tonight, he even gave up the Nugent Hopkins goal. Uh, that's something I guess you got to work on. Yeah, I mean you got to get the kinks out in preseason. I mean we don't want to do this regular season, but you know, um, you know that's why we got Phil. Phil, Phil makes a big difference for us. He, he calms, you know, he calms the plays down. He made a couple of plays to guys that actually surprised a couple of guys. So we got to get used to knowing if you play with them, they got to be ready at all times because he can make that pass, thread those plays. So, but um, yeah, we had a couple of good looks, but that four minute, we wish we had a little bit more. How far away are you from being the team you want to be? Well, I mean, every coach says, you know, we, you, know you always want more. But, uh, you know, we got another 10 days before the season opener. we got a lot of work to do. You know, um, we got to figure out a few things. So, um, we, you know, we, we, our motto around here, we're a day-to-day team. Like, we don't really look too far ahead. So we'll worry about Vancouver's game on Thursday night. Yeah. It's good to be on the road for these last two, you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not a huge going a week before season thing, but uh, whatever the cards are dealt, you play them. But, but it, you know, for the positive part, it does. You know, guys haven't seen each other, and you know, for five months, it's good to get guys together. And how big is getting a good start to the season for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, listen, I want to have a good start. Every player, everybody wants to have a good start. So you just got to be careful because you can't just, you know, sometimes you, you over-dramatize it. That, you know, if you lose a couple games all of a sudden, it's, you know, the energy level. You got to be careful. So, yeah, we want to have a good start. But, you know, you, you just got to worry about the one game and go from there. Scott Johnson with Rick Tockett after the Coyotes beat the Oilers 4-2. Phil Kessel tonight, uh, 14 and a half minutes for Arizona, two shots on goal, three others blocked. Phil Kessel, 11 straight seasons of 20 or more goals. And you got to remember when you give a stat like that, Rob, that includes the lockout shortened season that was only 48 games. He still got to 20. You know, it's not like, well, he has it in 10 of his last 11 and he got 13 and 40. Mm-hmm. No, he still got to 20 in that season. He's a good hockey player, very good hockey player. What's going to be interesting to watch him this year is there was a number of plays that he made tonight 
that didn't turn out as well as they would have with his previous team. Because when he's finding, you know, Clayton Keller with a, with a long seam pass, it's not the same as passing it to Crosby or to Malkin or being on the power play and having Latang feeding or having Horquist in front of the net. So it'll be interesting to see what is... I, I think he's going to help this team. I think he's a veteran presence that uh, has the ability to change the complexion of a game in one shift. But I wonder what his body language will be when things aren't going quite as good as they could go because he doesn't have the same supporting cast as he's had the last couple of years in Pittsburgh, where he's led the team in scoring in Pittsburgh with the Melkins and the Crosbys and players of that ilk. Hey, I want to remind everybody, Stollery Mighty Millions was tonight's Oilers game night sponsor. Tickets available online, MightyMillionsLottery.com. Hoping to uh, raise more than $2 million with proceeds to help fund the Stollery's most urgent needs. So check out MightyMillionsLottery.com. Check out 630Ched.com for the latest on the Oilers and the Eskimos as well. We're going to have a football hockey doubleheader coming up on Saturday. Our next hockey broadcast Thursday, Oilers at Winnipeg, 4.30 face-off show, game at 6 here on 630Ched. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer at Rogers Place. Kellen Kennedy's our studio producer back at 630Ched. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Overtime Open Line, presented by Heartland Ford. 